This week on episode 528 of Priority One, we delve into the whale-filled wash-up of the season finale of Lower Decks, Anson Mount discusses literally sitting in the captain's chair, and is that a star on top of the Christmas tree or a Borg baby spray-painted gold? In gaming news, we take a closer look at Star Trek Online's Halloween event and roll for shield strength in a new release from Star Trek Adventures. You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 528 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, October 19th, and available for download or streaming on Friday, October 22nd at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Roscoe. How are you all doing this uh, this fine week? Did you have a good weekend? Yeah. No conventions, no, no nothing, huh? No, I know. It's a pretty slow weekend around here. Also slow here as well. Very, very quiet. So just been uh, delving into Star Trek Online and slowly kidding out my new Tier 6 mirror Gagarin and working on that build and it's it's just going really well and really enjoying it. It's so much fun to fly. Yeah, very much enjoying that. And somehow still ended up with some a uh, whole pack of agony phases there that I haven't unboxed yet. So that's going to get shuffled around to a different character. And it's just just spreading the love, baby. Just spreading that phase of love. Cat, I have buyer's remorse. What? I took your advice and spent <gasps> the Zen on the Gagarin, and you don't like I'm it? not using it. Why? No, I, I, it's a little too squishy for me, and and the. That's yeah, not I just, and I was—I don't know. Maybe I just have to spec it out. You know what? I, you know what I'm thinking about getting is the Section 31 Battlecruiser because I think you can run gravity well on that, can't you? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I—I I don't know. I'm thinking. All right. Thinking, well, I feel bad for giving you bad advice, but you know, I mine's okay. not that squishy. I, I mean, maybe you should check on your build. I will check on my build for sure. Maybe you're just used to turning at an incredibly slow pace because you're so used to the sovereign. No, I'm not flying the sovereign. My my go-to is the fleet arbiter. My go-to is the fleet outrageous. Arbiter. Hmm. I still would have thought you'd have liked the Gagarin flying that though. I don't know. Maybe I, I'll give it another shot. I'll give it. Another, and I also didn't upgrade it. I just have you know I didn't do the the T6X. Well, upgrade. I didn't do that either. Oh. But I, I have some you know pretty good consoles on there. Dave Rutley says obviously you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Everybody, yeah, everybody in the chat. <laughs> Not necessarily that you're doing it wrong, but there's always ways to to improve. Can I highly recommend hitting up the Armada for some advice? I will certainly do that. I will certainly do that. Well, before we jump into the news, we want to welcome new listeners to the show, and we hope that you'll stay in touch. You see, this show is produced by a community of volunteers who donate their time and their talents because 
Like you, they are passionate about what Star Trek is all about. So we hope you'll get involved and be a part of our community. Follow us on social media so you can share your thoughts about the weekly headlines. Join the Armada so that you can experience Star Trek gaming with like-minded Trekkies. Or consider joining the team and lending your skills and passion to producing this show. That's right. Like Kat said, you can join the team. We're always looking for talented volunteers to join our family here at Priority One Podcast. Like I've said in the past, we organize this production much like one would community theater. We all have a passion for Star Trek, and we try to share that with you each and every week. And five minutes before showtime, Elio screams, Places! Places, people! (laughs) Five minutes minutes to call. Five minutes to call. Five minutes to curtain. Thank you, five. But unfortunately, like any production, it costs a little bit of money to produce. And so we turn to you, our listeners, to help support the show. So if you happen to find value in the production that we produce each and every week, we encourage you to trek us out over at Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash priority one to find out about all the perks we offer to our supporters. Now, let's find out what's been happening in the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Mike McMahon, the creator of Star Trek Lower Decks, isn't resting on his laurels. Nope. After a generally well-received season two of Star Trek's animated adventure, McMahon is making the rounds talking about the season which just wrapped last October 14th. Sam Stone of Comic Book Resource jumped right in and asked about the unusual villain, the Packleds. McMahon's explanation, quote, When we were writing the first season, we were in the thick of a pretty dark time across the world. The re-rise of fascism across multiple countries. Obviously, a lot of politics happening in this country, and not to put too fine a point to it, things that had seemed like a joke in the first place suddenly becoming much more dangerous because we weren't vigilant about it. The pack leads seemed like a perfect opportunity for that. End quote. What about that incredible cliffhanger? Well, according to McMahon, the goal of season two was meant to show Mariner, quote, grappling with themes of betrayal and being left, end quote. Supposedly, Mariner's got some past trauma that we haven't been privy to yet. Nevertheless, McMahon explains that Mariner will start season three struggling to deal with having her mother taken from her. When talking with Star Trek.com, he explained, quote, in the first season, we were really creating a family. And in the second season, we kind of tested them. And in the finale of the second season, we're dealing with the loss, the family breaking up, end quote. What about our other characters? Well, there seems to be something deeper going on with Rutherford, something more than just a faulty cybernetic implant. McMahon tells CBR.com, quote, it's about Rutherford. There's stuff about Rutherford that he doesn't even realize, and this is his second implant, end quote. They go on to discuss some other character dynamics, like the will-they-won't-they tension between Rutherford and Tendi, along with some takeaways McMahon learned from the first two seasons. Links, of course, will be in our show notes. I absolutely love his reasoning for using the packlets. I'm not going to shy away from this. There is a subset of far-right individuals that I now cannot unsee as packlets. <laughs> I just can't. I, I, I just can't. That's valid. And so... Anytime I see something ridiculous that from that group, that subset group of people, which is a lot, mind you, I'm just going to be like, red alarm, red alarm. (laughs) That's just going to be my response. That's it. That's that's it. Uh, I mean, this 
these are, you know, these interviews that he's been giving, I just love how much, you know, thought and thought he's put into this, the stories he wants to tell. You know, he does go on to say that as he's done writing one, you know, one season and it's airing, the next season's already written. So, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have the feedback of, you know, the ongoing season and doesn't draw from that when he's, you know, writing the next story. Yeah, the will they won't they tension between Rutherford and Tandy is, is like this little thread to dangle in front of the audience and but there comes a point where you need to you need to have an answer to that question one way or the other and I thought for a moment at, in that season finale we were going to get it instead we got Rutherford professing his love for the Cerritos and and Tendi doing the same so there was a, a a moment where love was professed but just not for another individual just for a, a starship and then we see the starship nude and it's just like this show has no boundaries this show just continues <laughs> to go places no other Star Trek has ever gone and sometimes it's disgusting um so that's fine <laughs> um but it's 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 the shock it's the shock it pushes you pushes your comfort zone a little bit that's what the shock is is there to do ah uh, uh, <laughs> it was like let's, come let's, on yeah reel that in there reel that in there because i, I you know there's a difference no 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 i uh, no, no, no. Go on. <laughs> come on. Gonna come on. Because uh... what the shock does is it pushes you outside of your boundaries. It pushes you outside of what? your comfort what? zone. What? It's there to shock you, to expand Sh- your horizon what a little you, bit. What? What, am I, what What? did you walk away thinking, I'm a better person for watching Boimler be Spread Eagle? I didn't say it made you a better person. I said it expanded your horizons. What horizon? It's expanded your boundaries into terms of okay that's that's expanded what you're comfortable with so that when they show you a nude starship all of a sudden you're okay with it all right now you're just giving me because <laughs> <laughs> because because shock value is for in my opinion just not good entertainment right i am of the school that believes that entertainment should encourage thought be thought-provoking and i'm not saying that lower decks is the only one guilty of this again i refer back to enterprise and those medical lather gel things that you know there were it's the decon chamber man yeah the decon chamber chamber. they could have alien spores on there you bring that on the ship it's a nightmare end up pregnant with nipples on your wrist i mean i know right Mm -hmm. right 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 this is how you just get nipples on your wrist people (laughs) but you know if if it's in commentary of something then i'm all for it but if you're just gonna do it just to be like haha look we can show it to do it haha then it's not for me there is no horizon that is broadened for me I do not see clearly now that the there rain is gone. There was a black bar. You didn't see it. They didn't show anything. You're, you're just, I'm not gonna... They didn't show I'm anything. not biting. They literally did not show anything apart from scratches on Shax's butt. You're right. And there were no fine. there were no genitalia present. No, there wasn't. But there was either was there genitalia and naked time. Exactly. What's the issue? What's the issue here, buddy? <laughs> all right. Well, I, I don't know I how don't. better to explain other than I'm not biting anymore. I'm not biting. <laughs> 
I'm shocked. I love Mariner and Jennifer, by the way. I think that is awesome. <laughs> so that was interesting, right? Because he talked about that relationship in the Star Trek.com article mm-hmm. where there seems to be a, a romance brewing between the two of them, which I did not pick up on. I oh, just really? thought that, you know, that I enemies did. become friends kind of thing. But I didn't really pick up on a intimate relationship uh, brewing between Jennifer and and Mariner. But to his own point, McMahon says, I kind of wish I did more of it sooner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I agree, you know, there's, why not, you know? But he, I think he could have driven that home a little harder for people with thick skulls like mine. Oh, yeah. That was like, remember she made that comment about Jennifer's ass, you know? I don't remember her, mate. What? Yeah, she, made a she about was Jennifer's like, ass? she did it. Maybe like the mm. last episode before, yeah. she's like, I can't remember how she said it she was like what a, jennifer mm, that is. <laughs> whatever she said it was something like that, that. yeah so jennifer was uh, said that had that little moment where she said i don't think about you at all and mariners fired back with bet you think about me all the time with that stupid little butt yeah it was something uh, like that but yeah i was yeah, like but I, mm, yeah. <laughs> that's huh. cute <laughs> Well, it's been a bit of a slow news week for Star Trek, with everyone waiting on Prodigy, but here are some updates on other stories we've talked about on previous episodes of the show. If you have not had a chance to see the new trailer for the upcoming History Channel docu-series The Center Seat, 55 Years of Star Trek, you should definitely track it out. According to the press release, The Center Seat will be, quote, the ultimate Star Trek documentary that everyone has always wanted and now they're getting, end quote. Each episode of the series will focus on a different chapter in Star Trek history, starting with the inception of the original Star Trek series at Desilu. But even the trailer features some pretty saucy quotes from the cast and crew of the various shows and movies. For example, we hear more from Will Wheaton, Denise Crosby, Kate Mulgrew and Robert Beltran about their less-than-ideal working circumstances... And for Sirock Lofton, we hear about his extreme dislike of having to wear the onesie uniform while also going through puberty. Nicholas Meyer, writer of The Undiscovered Country, speaks about how much William Shatner hated the script for the movie and the effect that had on, well, pretty much everyone else involved. The show doesn't cover any of the new Trek series, but definitely appears to be a comprehensive and detailed exploration of the Star Trek universe over the first 55 years of the show. Created by the Nacelle Company, who also produced Netflix's The Movies That Made Us and The Toys That Made Us, the series is narrated by Dr. Beverly Crusher herself, Gates McFadden, and directed by Nacelle Company founder Brian Volk-Wies. There's not been an official release date given other than it should premiere sometime this fall. Yeah, I checked the History Channel website and I couldn't find it because usually fall shows are out in September, but I haven't seen this yet. If anybody has the History Channel, like for real, not just online, let me know if it's out because this looks awesome. Man, did you guys watch that trailer? Yeah, it looks amazing. (laughs) And it was wonderful and hopeful. And then all of a sudden, gear shift. And, you know, we're... we're talking about Jake Sisko's onesie. And I thought, oh, yeah, okay. Well, that makes sense for a young teenage lad. That's that's a challenge. That's an acting challenge. Yeah. yeah. Poor guy, man. I think this looks like a really good series. I'm definitely going to watch. It's the most wonderful time of the year. 
When the nanoprobes gently come to rest on ornaments hanging from the boughs of trees and assimilation tubules shine in the festive glow of twinkling lights, Christmas is soon upon us and you can count down to festive assimilation with the 2021 Borg Cube Advent Calendar. The calendar features 24 Trek gifts behind alcoves, or windows if you prefer, and includes gifts of socks, coasters, and an espresso cup commemorating the first warp speed flight in 2063. It's made by Eagle Moss, the company who also made a TARDIS-shaped advent calendar for devout Whovians, and is available for purchase now. It could be just the thing to put you in the mood for Picard Season 2, with the Borg Queen to feature as part of the time-traveling tale. And speaking of Season 2... In an interview with TrekMovie.com, Issa Briones spoke about where we would find Soji in Picard Season 2, a place where she can finally be herself now that being an android is no longer outlawed. Quote, We're definitely seeing a new kind of level of her evolution as she's coming into her own. She's finally allowed to be who she is and be accepted by the universe, the galaxy, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, we get to see her in this new, more certain place of who she is, and that's very exciting. End quote. The interview covered working under strict COVID conditions, as well as the broader strokes of season two and how it connects to the world we're living in. Quote, there's a big emphasis, I think, on mental health for sure. We're seeing these characters go through some hard moments and really leaning on each other and prioritizing their own mental health in order to save everyone else. And I think that's a very relatable storyline and a storyline that we need right now end quote for the full interview check out our show notes and the hype train continues heading towards the station for strange new worlds even anton mount starring as batman in the new dc animated movie injustice can't stop interviewers from asking about the new series Mount will play the role of the Dark Knight in the animated adaption of the video game Injustice, where a traumatised Superman turns evil. In an interview with Sci-Fi Wire, Mount talks about the recording process and not being the first Christopher Pike to take a turn at Batman. If you're playing along at home, Bruce Greenwood has voiced Batman a couple of times and was also the Kelvin Universe's version of one of Starfleet's greatest captains. But when the discussion turned to Strange New Worlds, Mount reinforced the episodic nature of the show, as well as a moment that really would give every Trek fan goosebumps. Quote, I was just there as Anson in my own clothes and I sat down in the chair and it was in that moment that I flashed back to playing Star Trek as my make-believe game when I was like eight years old. Something about it was just really strangely emotional for me. And I'm still doing that. I don't even know really how to articulate it, but it's surreal and it's weird and it's something that I'm so grateful for, end quote. As always, track out our show notes for the full interview. I watched Injustice. It is not for kids. Uh, do not watch Ooh, it with no. your kids. And uh, Anson Mount did a great job as Batman. I thought that he, you know, he, he delivered a good performance and DC animated films are hands down some of the best films you'll be able to watch, better than even their live action ones. So yeah, if you are into Batman, if you like the idea of an alternate universe Superman that gets real mad, then you might want to trek this out. And if you're a fan of Anson Mount. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. Congratulations. High score. 
Well, we're off to some great news. Star Trek Online tweeted earlier on Tuesday that the recent partnership with Fanatical, offering in-game bundles to benefit the Boys and Girls Club of America, raised more than $77,000. Well done to all of you who contributed to this excellent cause. Yeah, that's amazing. Fantastic. Isn't it wonderful when the willingness of people to put their hand in their pocket because A, good cause, B, good starships, bring those together, you got a happy community. For sure. And those were pretty good bundles. So I hope, you know, you guys were able to donate and take advantage of that. Well, it's been a week since the Cat's Tale Halloween TFO was released. And while it took players a few days to get to know how to navigate the phases of the TFO, it seems like most people now are really enjoying the mission. As you and your team are first transported to the castle on Pyrus 7 or Boreth, either way, the music and the lighting as you beam in definitely set the mood for battling skeletons, witches, Skulls and Davidians. In a creepy surprise, you're treated to some Bonniekin voiceover as you make your way downstairs through the hallways, lighting candles, because it's dark in this castle. Though in the first phase, you're attacked by a bunch of skeletons, and it's important to note that you can only kill them when they're standing in the circles of candlelight. So there's some equipment that I highly recommend you pick up if you're able to. It's the Universal Kit Module Gravity Containment Unit, and you can get it from as long as you've reached tier four in the discovery reputation, you can get it from there and you use it. If you're standing in the circle of candlelight, you can pull all those skeletons over to you and kill them right there. It's amazing. In the next phase, you go to a room and kill some witches who then transport you and your teammate or you by yourself to separate rooms. Now I've been doing this a week and I've only ever been to the library for some reason where you get a shelf books and you know, the right shelf, otherwise you get attacked. But there's also a cauldron room where you have to make potions and a room with spiders, which I really don't feel like I need to go there ever. After you pass this room, you go back and fight some more witches before you enter into the final phase where Daphidians attack. While it's handy to have the synchronic proton distortion prototype assault rifle from the mission Spin the Wheel when fighting these Davidians, but really any weapon will work for this. The thing to remember for the final battle, that if you're the one who's been phase shifted, you need to stop attacking the Davidians and locate those devices and deactivate them immediately because you're only phased for a short amount of time. So you really got to be quick. But all in all, I love running this TFO. It's really fun. As long as I don't have to go kill spiders. I got the room with the spiders. Oh, no. I, you don't want to go there. <laughs> no, there, I don't want go there. any part of that. No, I like the library. I can do that. No, I've only ever played it and I've only ever got the spiders. And so, yeah, that's great. They are just menacing the oh they, they totally give you the creeps so that's been a real challenge and I uh, thank you because for the life of me I could not figure out why these skeletons weren't dying why couldn't I shoot them why yeah. were they in uh, the candlelight yeah. in the can so yeah that yeah I mean, that kit module is the most magical thing because you could try. I mean, another way to draw aggro, though, is to plant some turrets in those circles. But for me, I just like pulling them over. I guess you could use Molor's sword, too, to pull, you know, enemies to you. But right when they're right next to you, I love to use my like, knives and just throw knives at skeletons. That's just fun. <laughs> yeah, this was a, a very fun mission. I will say that I had no idea what the crap was happening. I mean, it takes a few while to get 
get used to it, you know. It's I wasn't sure if I was if I just didn't read the instructions, if I just ended up effing my way through the beginning part of the explanation, but I had no idea. I it, it, somebody in the team had to tell me they have to be in the candlelight to be killed. I was like, "Oh, okay. All right. There's that." It, it does say that, then, but you can miss it. Yeah, and then I wasn't quite sure what to do in the library and then I figured out, oh, "Okay, it's a it's punny." <laughs> and then in the last the the great finale where you're fighting the giant Davidian, I don't know what devices I'm supposed to hit. I have no idea. I I see the pillars glowing, but I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking for. Like so I don't. There's like I, a green triangle. Anything. Yeah, there's a green triangle above the stairs that when you can only see it when you're phased though. So as soon as you're phased, you have to immediately look around and figure out where those devices are and run over there. Oh yeah. So no, I took no. my weapon I off no auto idea. fire. Yeah, I took my weapon off auto fire because it goes really fast. You have to be fast about it. Now you can use that what's that uh, device, the phase shifter thing that you also can get from that mission? You can use yeah. that, but you know, you can only use it once and there's more than one device, so it's kind of helpful, but not really. Yeah, I kind of feel like this is a mission that should have had a bit of a, like a cutscene tutorial in the beginning, like other missions, right? The other, other like, you know, like, zoom in, this is what you have to attack. Zoom out, go to the next scene and attack this. And at the very end, zoom in and attack this. But, definitely something you can skip, because there's a lot going on in this TFO. And if you don't have friends that are familiar with it, you know, you're you just kind of kind of go with the flow and just attack everything and, and shoot. But overall, I did like assimilating the, the skeletons. That was fun. I did learn that you can assimilate this. I, I, the first thing I, I love that assimilation kit. It's I love so it. Awesome. I love it because then because <laughs> then everybody, at, you know, you, you just if especially when the NPCs group up one hit and you have a whole slew of board drones attacking. Uh, and it, it was funny to see the skeletons do. I didn't think it was going to work, but it Lo and behold, it worked and the skeletons became assimilated. Oh, another tip is it's really not recommended to run pets during that first skeleton right. part because, again, you want to draw them into the circles and then pets are everywhere and they just run around. So, so yeah, if you put a turret, the turrets are good to, to draw aggro with that. So, anyway, I love it. I think it, it's great. I, I like running it. I log in all the time to run my run it more than one. Uh, in the chat, uh, Nick Duguid says there are three switches, one at the top of each set of stairs left and right and one to the right under the balcony so when oh. you're phased the, that is where you'll find those switches Nice. Okay. So if you can set up your phase shift device around the location, you should be able to deactivate it without being phased by the Davidian. I have not tried that yet, but it's on my list of things. But that thing has a nine-minute cooldown, so again, you get one ch you get one chance at it. Well, in other gaming news, if tabletop gaming is more your style, then be sure to check out the latest update from Modifius. The company behind Star Trek Adventures has worked hard to incorporate work from other Trek properties like Star Trek Online and Hero Collector and Eagle Moss. Their latest release comes directly from the pages of IDW's Star Trek Year 5, the comic series chronicling the final year of the Enterprise under James T. Kirk. The 26-page digital release is filled with content pulled directly from the pages of the Year 5 series, adapted for use in Star Trek Adventures. There is information 
expansion on two new factions, three new player character life path options, including the Tholians and the Icosa, 12 non-player characters, including Harry Mudd and Gary Seven, and five starships to use as allies or adversaries. Fred Love, STA contributing writer, said in a blog post, the series puts a new spin on some old characters, as well as delving into the world of Federation politics like never before. You don't have to read the series to play, and the supplement is available for download now. Has anyone read Star Trek Year 5? No, I haven't. I've read about five, six issues, and I can highly recommend it. It is excellent. The Tholians are a big deal. There's uh, some great storyline. There's a great little storyline going on with the Tholians and uh, a hatchling, Tholian hatchling. And, yeah, a few other little planet... There's a planet that they revisit as well, that they had gone back, gone to in the original series, and that had evolved a little bit further. So, yeah, it's really, really really fun and very well done. That wraps up gaming news this week. Now let's get a first-person review of the Star Trek exhibit in Los Angeles with Dr. Robert Hurt. Space. Astronomy, quantum mechanics. It's not theoretical, it's not hypothetical, it's real. Education. Astrometrics. The final frontier. For this week's Astrometrics Report, I wanted to shift the focus from science to science fiction, namely an incredible presentation of Star Trek memorabilia on exhibit at the Skirball Cultural Center in Los Angeles, California. The exhibit is called Star Trek Exploring New Worlds, and to cut to the chase, this is pretty much a must-see for anyone in the Los Angeles area or planning on traveling through sometime in the next few months. A lot of the artifacts on display come from the Paul G. Allen family collection, and the exhibit itself is very similar to one that was featured at the Pop Culture Museum in Seattle, Washington a few years ago. But even if you saw that wonderful collection, it is certainly worth seeing again. Walking through the doors, you can expect to find pretty much everything that a real Star Trek fan would want to see at this kind of exhibition, starting with a selfie opportunity sitting in a reproduction of Captain Kirk's chair from the original series. However, much of what's on display goes beyond mere photo opportunities and really is centered around a collection of screen-used artifacts ranging from costumes, props, and even visual effects models. As a ship person, the highlights for me were probably the Enterprise D from Star Trek The Next Generation in the form of the original six-foot filming model that Industrial Light and Magic built for Encounter at Farpoint. Just having a chance to take in this incredible work of art, seeing the original paint job, and imagining how it was used in the filming of all of those iconic scenes occupied me for at least 10 or 15 minutes. Also on display was the incredible rework of the Katinga-class battlecruiser as seen in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Having just built one of these scale models myself in the last year, it was amazing to get a chance to see the incredible detailing patterns and paint schemes used in this update from its original appearance in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Other ship highlights include the original filming model for the Romulan Warbird, as designed by Andy Probert, 
and the Borg Cube, as seen in Star Trek First Contact. But the ship memorabilia even includes some of the original series, with the filming model of the Klingon D7, and a version of the Enterprise built from the AMT Ertl model kit that was actually displayed in the window outside the office in The Trouble with Tribbles, before the digital remastering. Cosplayers would likely be drawn to the incredible collection of costumes worn by the leading actors in almost all of the Star Trek franchises through Discovery. You can also find a delightful array of props from many of the Star Trek productions, with a particular emphasis on incredibly rare surviving original series screen-used props for phasers and communicators and medical instruments. I think TOS fans might be particularly thrilled to see the helm from the bridge of the original USS Enterprise. While this set piece was not stored as carefully as one might hope over the years, it was lovingly and painstakingly restored as much as possible while retaining the original wood and equipment. You will also find a few other photo ops, including a Jeffrey's tube you can crawl through, a Borg alcove that you can recharge in, and even a transporter, maybe slightly cheesy, that will do beam in and beam out effects at least on days when the electronics is working, which sadly was not true when I was there. At least none of us were subject to a horrible, ugly transporter malfunction. Perhaps the single most ambitious part of the entire exhibit is a Star Trek timeline that attempts to put every single Star Trek series from the original series through Picard onto a single string of dates, including multiple instances of time travel and even a few parallel timeline splits here and there. The exhibit will be running through February 22nd, so there's still time to plan your Star Trek getaway. I should also note that the Skirball Center will only grant access to the facilities if you have proof of vaccination or a recent negative COVID test. Advanced reservations are required and tickets are time-gated. I would note, though, that the session I was at was fully sold out but did not feel especially crowded. Well, that wraps it up for this week's Away Team Report. Let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. This week we asked, what are your thoughts of Star Trek Online's spooky TFO, and what suggestions do you have on how to beat it, much like the very ones we talked about? Via Twitter, Eric Penahori writes, You have to knock slash lure the skeletons into the range of a lit candle. They light on fire for the duration of being in range, only then they are vulnerable. A lot of powers make seeing if they're vulnerable difficult. Captain BG2301 also said on Twitter, I have to say that TFO is fun with a good team. When you have people that just run in and shoot at everything, it can make it very hard and long. Plus, the use of pets can really slow things down as they draw aggro from you. On Facebook, Matt Black also advises not to use pets. The first part requires you to kite the skeletons into the areas around the candles, otherwise they're invulnerable. My first go-around with a drone engineering build was a slog because of that. We also asked, what was your favorite scene from the Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2 finale? Also via Facebook, David Rutley says, Nothing like saving your friend than going skinny dipping. Matt and Kamala in Cetacean Ops scene must be the first time Cetacean crew were ever shown on a Star Trek ship. Well, that wraps up episode 528 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. 
Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. And we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bush. Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment or a voice message on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePodcast. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Stowe players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com captains this has been a tough couple of years but we are humbled by the continued support by listeners like you people who find value in the content we produce each and every week and support us through patreon.com forward slash priority one and don't forget to tune into priority one productions guard frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com each episode the guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims including a table Top adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn about all the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors. This week, intro and closing were done by Brandon Parker. Check it out by Lennon. And gaming by Gray. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our graphic artist, Alejandro, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to our social media managers, Sarah and James. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Mike McMahon, the creator of Star Trek Lower Decks, isn't with the 2021 Borg Cube Advent Calendar. Is that to your liking, Roscoe? Did I read that well? Oh, that's that exceeds my expectations. <laughs> that is beautiful. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.